We're in a series on evangelism at the moment and talking about um, a culture of evangelism a few weeks ago. And then um, last week, last week, Steve was talking about treasures in heaven, laying up treasures in heaven and the treasure being uh, being people and us laying up treasures in heaven, us uh, trying to uh, have more treasure in heaven is about more people having a relationship with Jesus. And I have coined a phrase today, I believe it's of my own device, uh, friendship evangelism, we're now calling fringalism, um, because, it, you know, we'd like to be as weird as possible, as often as possible. Fringalism, uh, it's not going to catch on, I understand that, um, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to run with it. So, uh, as it says, just hear me out. Um, friendship evangelism. Already, you'll be, some of you will be prejudging what's going to be said. You might be right. Who knows? And already, some people might be discarding some of what you're about to hear. Because friendship evangelism is a loaded topic. And I'll talk about that and why in, in just a moment. But we were going to kick off with um, Emily uh, coming up and sharing a bit about what, uh, what she's been doing recently, um, but she's on kids' work, and, uh, and so we can't do that. But I'll, she can't do that, but I can. So in terms of friendship evangelism, in terms of the opportunity to share our faith with our immediate circle of people with whom we interact, um, Emily walks the dog from time to time. The dogs, sorry, plural ever-expanding menagerie of animals in the Ladlow household, um, walks, and I don't mean the, the kids, um, walks the dogs, and, uh, and you, when you walk dogs, you, you see the same people often, and there's one, particularly, um, one particular elderly lady who, um, who she has met from time to time, but th this lady has really opened up about her context, her situation, and what's going on, and Emily is able to say to her, I'll pray with you. I'll pray for you. And she was positively receiving that, which is really good. So that's the, the start of something there. And I was with my family yesterday, uh, my sister and her husband and their kids and my younger brother and uh, his wife and their kids and my parents. And there were lots of us in the household. But us, us grown-ups had an opportunity to have dinner because you have to do it in shifts when there's that many people around. So all the kids come through and eat everything, and then the adults get to eat what remains afterwards. Um, and we were sat around the table, uh, and I said, look, guys, can I ask you all a question? Friendship evangelism, have you ever known it to work? Is there anyone that you were friends with before they became a Christian, and what was your involvement in that journey? And I had some really positive, um, really positive stories come out. My sister, Lou, and her husband, Rich, my sister had a caterer for her 40th birthday a few years ago uh, who, who had a... Uh, she had a hog roast at a big gathering, 
Um, and he was, he's this, this big guy with a love for food and, um, and a love for people. And my older brother, who's a big guy with a love for food and a love for people, got chatting to him about the hog roast. And he actually got involved. He put an apron on and he was getting involved and talking about you know, the, the mechanics of what was going on. He seriously loves food. You know, he's, he's qualified to, to a, a level in food which just makes you go, how have you done this with those ingredients? It's incredible. Um, so th that's great. They shared this passion. And this guy, Rob, who was the caterer, said to Tim, look, you know, I'd go to church if there were more people like you there. And he said, funny that, and invited him along to my sister's church because that was where they lived. And so, yeah, he, he went along, I think, once or twice. But he was also involved in a building project that my sister had going on. In their back garden, they built a... Uh, it's not, not a shed, is it? A bungalow, a, a, a chalet. They, they built this wooden structure in, in the back garden. If you ever came around to my place and saw the the shed room, as we called it, the music studio. It was like a, a, that on a, on a grander scale with a bathroom and stuff and a little kitchenette in it. Beautiful. So Rob was heavily involved in that. And, um, and through that, Lou invited him onto an alpha course. He did the alpha course, fully committed, gave his life to Jesus, is regularly going along to their church. Positive story. Amazing. Um, for Jules and I, when uh, about, well, about... 14 and a half, nearly 15 years ago, because uh, that's how old Mikey was, Jules was involved in a mothers and toddlers, a new mums group uh, that was organized by, uh, you know, by the hospital and things. A new mums group. And um, got to become friends with uh, a bunch of the ladies there. And the group came to its natural conclusion. And they wanted to keep meeting up. And they were looking for a place to a place to call their new sort of mums and toddlers um, group home. And they went along to one, uh, I think under your steering, uh, at, uh, at, Casey, uh, at King's Community Church in Southampton. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so they went along to this, this mums group that was organised by them. And through that, got to be talking about, about God and stuff. And... We've got some friends, uh, Ross and Isla, and uh, they, Isla and Jules struck it off really well. And yeah, just through that, wanted to find out more of what was going on. And was it Alpha course for them as well? Yeah, I think it was. And so, yeah, they got invited along to an Alpha and, uh, and had as much opportunity as they wanted to, to ask those questions and explore the faith. And... We love that they're actually now going to the church that my sister goes to um, in, in Hedge End. And they're, they, they're fully into, um, into having a, a relationship with Jesus as well. <laughs> amazing, amazing. My parents told a story from a slightly different perspective. They said, whilst we were at university, my parents, Trevor and Elaine, um, they, they were looking for God. They were together... Um, as, uh, as you know, boyfriend and girlfriend at the time, searching out where God was. And they went to spiritualist churches and they went to um, various denominations. Uh, they were looking for the presence of God somewhere. They, they didn't have it for themselves, but they were looking for it. But they had a couple of friends. Um, and those friends made time for my parents. They made time to take 
any questions that they wanted and would, would honestly answer them with either an I don't know or here's my perspective on this or here's what the Bible says. They would make time for them. They'd meet in a cafe as friends do and they would make time for them. And they were instrumental in inviting them along to a Baptist church um, in Brighton where they were at the time. And, and there they found God. They were looking for God in the churches and they found God and entered a relationship with Jesus that is now carrying on generationally um, and I, I got to benefit from. And so their perspective was that they had good friends who were instrumental in leading them to Jesus. Awesome. Friendship evangelism, it works. But if you are going into a friendship with evangelism being your primary objective, then friends can sniff out that ulterior motive, can't they? You're only friends with me because. And you can start that sentence with all sorts of other stuff. You're only friends with me because um, I've got money. Or you're only friends with me because you pity me um, and, uh, and you want to make yourself feel good. You're only friends with me because. And that really hurts. Friends know why friends form. It's a two-way thing. It needs to be from both sides. And if we, if we go into this thinking, right, where's my next evangelism project? You, I want to befriend you so that I can lead you to Jesus. It's like, what, what about us being friends? So word of caution there, but we'll get back to that in just a moment. Right. You can tell that there was green paper left in the printer um, before I hit print on this one. Uh, let's go for a bit of Bible, shall we? Luke 15, verses 1 to 4 um, and 8 to 10. Now, Luke 15 is a trilogy of parables. It is the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the, the wayward son, um, a.k.a. prodigal son. Okay, So the lost sheep, the lost uh, coin, and the lost son. And I want to focus on, on the coin, because you don't need to hear all three. But here's the intro to those parables. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering round to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep. One of them gets lost and he's got 99 sheep. You're going to leave those 99 and go and get that other one. Bring it back. Hooray. And then the coin. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins. Now, the Greek is 10 drachmas, each one worth about a day's wages. So you can think maybe 100 pound note. She's lost a 100 pound note. She had, I don't know why she had, a stack of 1,000 pounds in cash. Banks weren't great then. And so she had these 10 100 pound notes. She's lost one of them. She's lost herself a day's wages. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I'm putting a slightly different spin on this one because we know this is about um, the, the woman is, is meant to be God. The shepherd is God. 
uh, the Father is God, and the lost one is us. And when we come back, when, when we as sinners come back to God, when he finds us again, there is celebration in the heavenlies. But I want you, please, to try to imagine that you are the woman. And salvation is your coins. And when you find that coin, you are overjoyed because it's so precious to you. And what, the reason I'm asking you to think of, of that that way is because when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. When you found your salvation, didn't you just want to share it? Didn't you want to call your friends and neighbors around and go, tell you what, I have found the most amazing thing. When you form a relationship with Jesus and, and you welcome the Holy Spirit into your life and you know that you can rely on him and depend on him, and even when you're lonely, you can feel his closeness and feel his love, isn't that something that you want to share with people? When it's new, when you've found it, you're just like, yes, friends, neighbors, come around, see what I've got. And isn't it really easy to get used to that great thing and to, to stop sharing it for fear of looking a bit weird? with people. It's like a new relationship. Um, like when, you, when you're first going out with someone, it's, it's oh, yeah, I'll introduce you to my friends, and that'd be great, and they'll get to meet you as well. And then that, oh, introduce you to my, my parents and things, and how's that going to go? Um, I swear that my parents love Jules more than they did me. It's, after first meeting her, it's, it's awesome. And vice versa. Yeah. <laughs> First question as I came through the door at, uh, at Shea Gibbons was, uh, so what football team do you support? I was like, Liverpool. I'm like, sweet. <laughs> Welcome. Come in. Had it been Everton, whew, I know, right? That would have been the end of that relationship. Um, but by the grace of God and, uh, and Jules' tolerance, we're still going. Um, good. So when you first get that relationship, when you first find that treasure, you want to share it with others. And this woman, when she finds it, she's like, come celebrate with me. Similarly, when the shepherd finds the sheep, he gathers those around and says, come celebrate with me. And similarly, when the son returns to the father in the parable of the lost son, he says to his neighbors, let's throw a party. Come, friends and neighbors, let's throw a party. And I know that these, uh, this is slightly taking the context differently, but it's that same emphasis of your salvation is something precious that you can share with others, that you can risk sharing with others. I had a fantastic opportunity on Monday of this week um, to, to pray with a bunch of people. Um, and the bunch of people was 160 um, ten, uh, sorry, 11 and 12-year-olds, uh, year sevens, because I was, I was their first assembly of the term. After the, the head teacher's welcome, I was the first assembly of the term, um, and I, I, I do the year seven assemblies uh, when they come up, and I also do a house assembly for, for the people in in Duncliffe House, which is my house. And so I get to, I get to stand up in front of the, the, uh, the school, or quarter of the school, to, um, to say, you know, Jesus loves you. Because 
we've got this new emphasis in the school on Christian assemblies. And we're teaching through the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. And I was doing love on Monday to a bunch of year sevens. And I get to just say, Jesus loves you. And it's incredible. I love my job from that perspective. How cool is that? We used to be really scared of sharing our faith because it's, you know, it's dodgy. You can't go proselytizing. You can't be preaching to the kids. You can't say this is fact and this is true. You can say Christians believe. So there's still some risks. But in assembly time, we're a C of E voluntary controlled school. And so we are a church school. We're not a faith school. There's no entry requirements for faith, for belief. But we're a Christian school, and the head teacher's like, let's do this. Let's invite the clergy in. Let's have prayer meetings. Let's, let's, let's do it properly. And I get to go, excellent. Let's do this. And so year sevens, 160 of them there, and we're talking about love being one of the aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. And I prayed this, this prayer, um, which I'd pre-planned, and, and prayed it over the year sevens, that they would know Jesus' love, that they would be able to experience that love and share it with others. Brilliant. But from a friendship evangelism perspective, what was even better was that the other heads of house, the other heads of, you know, who do the other assemblies, were like, so what did you do? I was like, oh, I did this prayer. Look, I'll just I'll type it out and email it to you so you can pray this over, over people because you have to. I prayed it from a heart perspective. You guys have to. Um, and so th- they ask me because they know that I'm the Christian one. And so they say to me, you know, what did you do? What does this mean? Um, I've read this bit of, of the Bible that we're meant to be doing for this, and I don't quite understand it. And so oh, it's like fishing with a full-on dragnet in a small pond. It's brilliant that they come to me from that perspective. And if any of them are listening to this, I love you guys very much. Um, and, you know, I want them to be able to search for Jesus without me ramming it down their throat because people react to that, don't they? Oh, you invite your friends around, and the first thing you do is say, let's hold hands, we're going to say grace, um, and you go on for 20 minutes. Now, I, just, I pray that these people here, these, these heathens, these sinners, Lord, <laughs> would get to know you, and they're going to go, and that's the last meal we have together. <laughs> That's not what we are doing. You are a friend first and an evangelist second. But if you say, I'm no evangelist, know this. 10% of Christians have this gift for evangelism. But 100% of Christians have this duty to the Great Commission to share your faith with everyone around you. Bill Hybel said that the local church is the hope of the world. Now think about that. The world, the main hope that the world has of redemption, of salvation, of, of the, the outcast being, uh, being met and loved, is bound up in the local churches around the world. And that's great. So Christians are the hope of the world. Who is in your world? Who is it? within your sphere of influence, within your circle of friends, whose best hope for meeting Jesus is you, whose number one hope for encountering Jesus and forming relationship with him is you. And I don't want that to be a pressure. I want it to be a joy 
consider those people with whom you have the opportunity to share your faith, to, to share that treasure that you have. Consider those people. A friendly evangelist, or friendulist. So a friendly evangelist is someone who deliberately seeks to, uh, to introduce people to Jesus um, through being, let's face it, the best friend that you can be rather than the best evangelist that you can be. So your friendship with someone is your number one priority. The best and most faithful friends make the best friendulists. The best and most faithful friends make the best friendulists. Terrible friends are terrible friendly evangelists. So what do we do? We want to love people. We want to love people into the kingdom. And I've heard someone uh, say, someone who is a street preacher, who is far in damnation um, in, in their preaching, saying, you are going to hell unless you meet Jesus. And there's a lot of truth in what they said. But someone said, look, shouldn't we love people into the kingdom? And he said, I would rather scare someone into the kingdom than see them in hell. You know, interesting take on it. I would rather love someone into the kingdom than scare them there. I'd rather share what Jesus has done for me and someone be wanting to have that than share what the enemy has got planned for someone and, and you know, get them running away from that. There's, there's arguments for both. But yeah, wouldn't we rather love people into the kingdom than have a bunch of quaking, quivering wrecks going, I am only here because I fear what is coming if I'm not. You know, I, I am here because I want to meet this Jesus that has changed your life on a regular basis. That is the ultimate goal. And I've got a, a few challenges, really. I want us to carefully consider those friends, relatives, and colleagues that we are praying for on a regular basis and decide when and who and how we are praying. It's the week of prayer and fasting this week, so why not kick off uh, by skipping a meal every day and bookmarking that time when you would be eating that meal to, to pray for these people? Unfortunately, I started today with, the, um, with the, the fasting, prayer and fasting, and, and this week I've decided that, you know, breakfast, I'm going to uh, skip breakfast and spend more time with God in the morning, uh, which means that um, not only am I really hungry, but my breath stinks. So um, if I'm talking to you afterwards and just, you know, doing this all the time, then uh, it's for your own benefit. Um, so, or if you have a mint, that would be good. We can decide this week, look, this is... Um, <laughs> mints at the ready at the back, thanks. Uh, we can decide this week that, uh, that we are praying and fasting. Why not pray and fast for people who you know and love, who you would love to see come to Jesus? Not because we want to uh, get kudos with other people for you know, bringing these people to the Lord, but because we want to see them have what we've got. And very often our friends and family, those people who we are with, will find salvation somewhere else. Even though we've put in all that hard work, they don't come to you and say, lead me to the Lord. They, they, find, they go away on some random trip, meet someone and, and you know, find Jesus and come back and you're like, ah, oh, I was there for the whole of the clock journey up to 11.59. 
And then you go away and you meet someone and you get taken over to 12 o'clock and meet Jesus. Um, that's a common analogy uh, for the journey of faith, if people don't know. But, um, you know, I'm not saying that we are racking up conversions, but we are genuinely excited about the prospect of people meeting Jesus. Yeah? So, challenge then. Consider your friends, relatives, colleagues that you want to pray for. Decide when to pray and how to pray. And then challenge yourself to be create, uh, courageous because it is easy to shy away from the conversation with people. Easy not to say, can I pray for you for that? But those people who have made, can I pray for that, is, uh, part of their, their first response, I think, see really positive uh, outcomes. Um, Han, in your line of work, you're often saying, can I pray for you for that, yeah? And how often, let's say out of 10, how often uh, do people say, no thanks, don't pray? Oh, so zero out of 10. How about out of 100? One out of 100 say, look, don't pray for me. I don't want that. 99 are like, yeah, whatever, you, you pray, you know, because it doesn't require any, anything from them, and it might just work. And so 99 out of 100 saying, yeah, pray. How many of your friends who said, who are feeling under the weather and you say, can I pray for you, would go, no, get off, you weirdo. Or would, that's what you fear, though, isn't it? You know, well, that's the end of that friendship. That's what you fear, and it's, it's a genuine fear. But <clears throat> you'd be surprised. Oh, yeah, go on then. And they'd be really surprised if you go, well, Lord, I just, rather than, oh, I thought you were going to pray in your own time, but <laughs> you're doing it now. It's up to you. you. You have to read that situation as how that's going to work. So um, what is the risk? You know, what is the risk? And our, our friendships can be mended. You can explain something. You can, exp you know, say, look, uh, you're obviously not into that. That's absolutely fine. You know that that's who I am, and, and I believe that. That's, that's, you know, and you accept me for that. That's really good. Um, and then you can, you can mend those, those friendships if someone does say, no, um, no thanks. But, uh, yeah, you'd be surprised. So it's, it is a challenge. I just want to read out the questions so that you, be, you can be considering these. And I'll, I'll finish there. These are the questions that you're going to, uh, to have a look at as small groups this week, or you could do so in, in your own time if you're not part of a small group. Um, they're on the website under resources and small groups, um, and um, also some paper copies on the thing at the back, the thing being the table. So friendship evangelism. Friend is a generic term to mean someone with whom you have some connection of some sort. Could be relative could be colleague, that kind of thing. Evangelism could be identified as an ulterior motive. Discuss the dangers of this. You have a duty to at least try to play a part in allowing your friends to meet Jesus. To what extent do you agree with this? It's often easier to wimp out of mentioning the impact that Jesus has on your life, especially when you already know how a friend feels about all of that. Yeah? Um, is this you? And finally, and this is the challenge, identify some friends who you can pray for. This is step one and the most important step of all. Remember, someone else's salvation is not your responsibility. Someone coming to Jesus is not your fault. It's between God and them. And we just get to play whatever part we can play in that journey. 
So relax about it. Don't, this isn't something where we're going to start quotering people. You know, if, we, if, we ha if you haven't seen someone come to faith that you directly have been responsible for in the next year, then your membership here is at risk. It's nothing like that. We want to love people into the kingdom. We do. Why? Because we want people to know and love Jesus. There's so many implications for that. If you're here today and you're thinking, well, you know, why Jesus? What is, what is this all about? Why are you, why are you even going for this as a, as a thing? What, what is so special about a relationship with Jesus? We believe, don't we, that as we were singing earlier, that Jesus is the only way to have right relationship with God. That God, the maker of all things, created heaven and earth, created people specifically to have relationship with him. And the only real way that we can do that to fulfill our created purpose is through Jesus. Amazing. No Jesus, no life. With or without, okay. You, yeah, both. I just want to pray for us. Father God, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would bring to our attention those people in whose lives you are working. That you go before us by the power of your Holy Spirit, um, changing hearts and minds towards you, and that we get to be part of that amazing journey of transformation, answering questions, sharing our own experiences about our relationship with you. Help us to do that, I pray. I pray that we would be like Paul, who uh, was confident that you would give him the words in front of the people who were, um, who were against you and just had no answer to his words because they were full of your Holy Spirit's power and authority. And I pray that we wouldn't overcomplicate this, but we would just get to take those opportunities. Be bold, be courageous in those opportunities to, um, to share your impact in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.